Motorcycles and Misfits coming to you tonight and tonight only from, um, let's see, sunny Santa Cruz, California, Marina, California, somewhere in the bloody backwoods of Oregon somewhere, wherever the hell that is, <laughs> and um, shortly in Boulder Creek, California, well no, we're there now because that's where Doug it as well as you two. So, um, God, what a great day. Who's in the house tonight? Who, I ask you all? Well, first and foremost, it's John. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Stumpy John here. How are you doing? Man, and I got my favorite person in the world with me today, too. And, uh, oh, and so, yes, well, that's so. very kind of you to say that, John. That's very, very sweet of you to say that. Thank <laughs> you, Doc. You're second. I'm sorry, Emma. You're number two. <laughs> No, actually, joining us for the very, very first time is John's lovely wife. Now, do you prefer Melissa or Missy? Either one. I go okay. by either one. <laughs> okay. Well, Melissa, it is. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you. It's good to be here. And we're going to talk in a little while about why you are on the show. Joining yes, us from his workshop in Santa Cruz, California. It's Nike Jim. What's up? <laughs> Ride dirt bikes. That's what I got. And uh, Ride them naked. And you are joined with ShopCap tonight, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> ShopCap is in the house. Okay, ShopCap in the house. And finally, joining us from middle of bloody nowhere in Oregon land. Oh, it's not He's nowhere. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> ring, ding, ding, ding from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> and how's life in Oregon land right now? How is life? Is it still warm or is there is there snow on the ground? And Oh, no, there's no snow. It's What? It, it's, it's, there's no snow. It's still pretty warm. Um, Although we were over on the coast this weekend uh, at a rally, which we'll be talking about later, uh, oh, yeah. it was it, it did get a bit chilly. Oh, but, damn. Uh, but but it was nice and sunny, and we had uh, had good times. And, yes. Uh, yeah, the weather's still pretty good. Although we are supposed to be getting rain next weekend, uh, which I'm actually pretty excited about because it's really dry up here, and we need the rain big time. Now, um, when it rains for the first time in Oregon, are you going to take all your clothes off and do a dance in the back garden? Or the mm. front garden? That's not a bad idea. Uh, we need to encourage the rain as much as we can. So if that, if that, so it's, uh, that's what we need to do. <laughs> okay. Well, if I see it on the national news, I'll know what that's all about then. Well, all very right. good. Um, rain dance. <laughs> we are going to be joined by a couple of other people. Um, uh, Doug will be joining us in a little while. I think he's pushing a bit of food into his face right now. And a little further on still, we're going to be joined by your friend Jeff, who accompanied yes, you Jeff. on the scooter rally. Yes, and indeed. the impressive thing I feel is that two scooters actually went more than a mile without being a support vehicle for one another. Is this true? Huh. <laughs> uh, yes, actually. We were, we were no. mostly... We we mostly did the trip without having to support one another in a technical way. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I, I know you had a good time. Um, yes. I've met a few of these scooter people, and they're always yeah. good company. So um, I'm, I'm sure you had a great run. 
We want to hear all about it a little later. That's going to be in about an hour or so. Um, let's get stuck into what we did. Should we do what we did today first or what we did this week? I'm going to start with what we did this week. <laughs> and it's a good way of introducing Melissa, who has never been on our little podcast before, aside from the fact that she is, in fact, married to Stumpy John. But that is <laughs> academic here. That's not the reason you're on the podcast. Is it, Melissa? No, it isn't. <laughs> what did you do this week that might be of interest to our listeners? Yes, I, John and I, we bought me a bike. Yes! Nice. <laughs> Welcome to the familia, darling. And um, I played a little part in it. And um, tell everyone what you bought. Bought a, a Rebel 250. Uh-huh. In, in his beautiful mint condition. Yes. And wow. It was gorgeous. And it is gorgeous. And I am very excited to learn and get on my bike. Fantastic. So, you know, the misfits, by our definition, we we try and include everyone in our family. Um, and that includes people who've been riding like me since the beginning of time, sitting on the back of dinosaurs with stone <laughs> and fighting cavemen for a space, right up to people who are just starting out. And I know you were very, very excited to get a hold of this bike. And you actually learnt on a Rebel. You went through yes. one of the, the great classes we have here um, yes. in California. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you yes. learnt on a Rebel. Yes. So what are some of the things you like about it? I know you like it's got a very low seat. Mm -hmm. I can touch the ground. That's what I like. And that is such a huge confidence booster for mm -hmm. newer riders. Yeah. Now, Jim, you sold a bike today, and as a great example, <laughs> you sold it to somebody who hasn't been riding that long, but she's doing the tippy-toe thing now. She's confident enough to do the tippy-toe. Yeah, you know what's interesting is we've had a lot of new riders come through, uh, one on the uh, Rebel, another on the Nighthawk, both 250s. Both newer riders, so she stepped up uh, to the FZ6. So I finally got the FZ6 sold, got the cash in my pocket, so that's nice. And it was a perfect step-up bike for her. I had done the same thing, but one of the cool things is as she was leaving for her fiancé, is both feet were down, and she could tippy-toe both feet. So being able to ground is a big deal. So, yeah. And as bizarre as it sounds, Melissa, you're going to get there. But when you're starting out, there is nothing more confidence-inspiring than getting both your feet flat on the ground. Yes, yes, yes. So what's the plan from here? I know you you did the course, um, and I kind of got the impression that you weren't quite done with it. You, you no. feel you need a little <laughs> bit more practice. Yes, I need more practice. Um, I actually passed the written test, but... I need more practice. I didn't quite pass the, you know, the driving test. So more practice, but I learned a lot. I learned so much that day. So what do you think you're going to do from this point forward? Are you going to go back and do some training on their bikes? 
or are you going to use your own bike and then you know you and john go down to a church parking lot or something and just kind of do figure of eights and i'm gonna do both i'm gonna do both i'm gonna practice and then i'll go back and take the test again fantastic and what 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 part what part was challenging for you i just asked because i know another person that didn't pass it and she had a hard time just turning her head and making a turn just kept wanting to go straight so i'm curious what what was the challenge as far as the test that is challenging because it's it's not super intuitive to turn your head and what was challenging for me is turning my head and keeping my eye where i want to go so my bike will follow so that was um turning and looking that was i don't know that was um weird the second day i got it i actually was actually able to do it and actually turn and follow through the turn so but it it was not intuitive at first I want to really, and this is really as a point of inspiration for anybody who's thinking about starting off, because we have people listen to us who are mm-hmm. huge motorcycle enthusiasts, but simply don't want to, they, they don't feel confident to make that first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's been riding bikes forever. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, in England, as at anywhere else in the civilized world, one should never ask a lady her age. Um, <laughs> how old are your children, Melissa? Uh, Sam is 25, or 26 now. He's 26. We only have one. Right. So the point I'm making is there's nobody in this room who are teenagers. And no. you're really embracing this. You're following it through. I saw all the enthusiasm um, when you actually got the bike. (laughs) You actually bought the bike from my shop. Thank you. Um, Beautiful. And it's going to be great. It really is. I know you're going to get so much support from John because John's been riding bikes forever. Yes. Now, is this this something that you've always harbored a desire to do? Or is this something that's kind of come along that – you know, I can do this myself for a little yes. bit of perhaps. I've been thinking about this for years, actually. Um, especially when we started volunteering for Moto America. And I saw other women riders. And so that was what? How many years ago now? Just a Three couple of years, years ago. ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple years ago. And, okay. um, and so I saw other women having a blast. So I go, yeah, I think I want to try to ride a bike. So, yeah, and then John's always been a bike rider, and, um, you know. And you've always hated riding on the back of any bike. I don't like to ride on the back. I want my own bike. (laughs) Well, you got it now, do you? (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, It it always helps being part of a group. I mean, you've got us, and so you know that anything to do with bikes, you've got that support. But for people who are really starting out, especially if they're a little more mature and they're on their own, Mm -hmm. there are resources available for them. Um, You can just get as much training as you want. I mean, if you didn't have John and didn't have us, I get the impression you just toddle back up to California motorcycle training and and just work with them until you get as confident as possible. Yes. 
but it's really cool. Um, this was like an unexpected um, surprise that um, I, you know, coming into this community, how much support there is. And um, I, I go, well, that, you know, that boosted, I mean, that cheered me on to, to, to even pursue it more. You know, so, so, so the postscript to this story, and we, we, from this point forward, Melissa, we're going to dig it, dip into your journey and see how you're doing. Mm, right you. now, <laughs> you're kind of half trained and you've got an awesome little bike. Yes. yes. It all starts from here. However, three years ago, we were having this same conversation about a young lady who had decided to make the step from sitting behind her partner, get her own bike. And she was very, very nervous about it. But she <laughs> decided, I'm going to take the bull by the horns. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn how to ride. And over the years, we've been following her, following her progress and following her just strength and ability on a bike. Who was your instructor, Melissa? Um, Micah. And um, that is the same yes. person I'm talking about. Oh, so wow. comes full circle. Yes. Nice. Yes, and she was an excellent teacher, and I learned a lot through her tutorage. Yes. You know, a lot of it, this is the theory we use at the Misfit Garage. Mm. Oftentimes, the best teachers are the people who learned their craft recently. Mm. Micah is a superb writer. She's a superb teacher. She has all the patience in the world. She really knows what she's doing. But more importantly, she can remember what it was like to be learning because yes. it was only three years ago. That's something. Wow. You would know. I mean, she was excellent. Knowledgeable, and I thought she was writing all of her life. Right. No, she has mastered her craft, just as you will as well. And I've absolutely no doubt if you want to go down that route in three or four years' time, mm -hmm. if I haven't descended into senility, because trust me, I'm pretty close, um, we'll be talking about somebody who had you as an instructor. Ah, that's awesome. Great. Well, congratulations. The bike's great. I went it's over that bike with a fine tooth comb. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. Mechanically, it's superb. One year only color, you know. And mm. yes, I love that color. Yeah. What color is it? It's kind of a burnt orange, but it's kind of sparkly. And I love sparkly. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite metal flake, but it's a bit no. chalkier than metallic. Yes. It's kind of in between, but it's this hmm. lovely burnt orange color. And uh, it's kind of like a cat's anus, Doug. <laughs> oh, God. oh, no. Um, and, of course, you know, I, I, everything that goes through Mototown I post on my Instagram page. And when you post on Instagram, and I, I've kind of had to learn this, is it's all about the hashtags. And you, you hashtag, and that's how you pick up more fans. And so I hashtagged Rebel250, and now Melissa has got 20 or 30 fans in Japan <laughs> who all ride Rebels. 
<laughs> which is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the Rebel community is it's really solid. And the Rebel 250 in particular is, is a big favorite in Japan, in Thailand, in a lot of the Far East countries. They love the Rebel 250 because it's such a high quality bike. So good luck with your training. Well you. booked with the bike. And please be a regular so we can follow your progress. Yes, Up. we'll do that. Next, Jim. Let's get back to you selling that FC6. That's oh, been yeah. part of, shit. That mm. bike's been part of you for years. Yeah, it was a big part of my uh, development, we'll say. But it, it went to a good owner. So um, yeah, I'd been sitting on it for like I don't know, a little over, like over a year. That was that was like your your first big boy bike, huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's kind of the girl, uh, the woman, the young lady I sold it to. Uh, she has a Nighthawk 250 right now. Um, mm -hmm. Bike I had, so I sold my Nighthawk 250 to buy the F6. So it was the first proper you know, big bike that I got, and now she's kind of doing the same thing. Um, cool. You have Z1 over there for her too, garage. So, um, but at a, it's nice to have it, you know, cleaned up. You know, everything that had been gone through. We we knocked some rust off the chain after it sat for a bit. But other than that, it's in great shape. Um, you know, it comes with luggage. It's 2008. We gave her a great deal because I'm lazy. Um, right. Yeah, and it needs a little bit of help. You know, the fork seals were a bit drusily. Um, and just detailed stuff. I mean, stuff we can help her with at the Misfits, but you can't beat that deal. Yeah, we gave her a great deal, all things considered. Um, and like, and it'll be a, you know, and it'll be a great bike for her. I think it's a, it's a nice step up in power. You know, the FC6, it's, um, it's all the speed she'll ever need. You know, she got a taste of it when she took it on the test drive. I think we may have mentioned. She disappeared for a bit. We're like, uh-oh. But the good thing is um, um, oh, Eliza's messaging me. She says my mic sounds like shit. Hi, Eliza. It sounds like you're covering the mic when you move your body. <laughs> nice to see oh. you, too. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Eliza, so there you go. <laughs> okay, so I thought I was hitting up from Pakistan. <laughs> if anybody would comment on this from Pakistan, it would be her, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it sounds more like it sounds more like connection to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you well, know, the, the the big trouble we're all having is there was this brief halcyon moment when we were all back in the studio, and it was wonderful, but it was fleeting. It only lasted yep. two or three, and now we're doing this by Zoom. Of course, Paul Bagel, because he chose to go yes. and live in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> he's permanently on Zoom. However, yes. for the rest of us, um, we're back on Zoom. Connections aren't great. So um, please be patient with us. I know some of the, the dialogue sounds crap. Some of it sounds great. Um, but we're, we're, we'll get it there. And it's been a learning curve for you on the uh, on the mixing board, hasn't it, John? Oh, it's been uh, it's been fun. Yeah, good. <laughs> Glad you're more, work it. Than, more work than I, I realized, but it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Jim. So you, yeah. what are you down to now? Let's say you've got the FC one. I I kind of like the stable at the moment. So I've got the FC one, which is my daily ride. That's my commuter bike, and that works yeah. great for that. And then I've got the uh, you know, this new CRF 450 RL, the dirt bike, 
And then I've got the Africa Twin, which is a dirt bike, but it's almost more my long distance touring bike, you know, that right. I can road if I want to. So, and other than that, I've got a little, I've got the TTR 1.5, I'm going to hang on to. And lastly is the uh, Ascot. Yeah. And so the Ascot was together and now it's apart. What's happening with the Ascot? Oh, you can look at it. It's right here. Uh, so the Ascot, well, I got to the point. I got to the point where I had it together and it ran, right? I rode it around and from the garage, all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And went to the one show up in Portland and I got to see like really nice custom work that people did. And I realized what a piece of crap mine was. Oh, oh no, don't so, say that. It, it's a good learning point. So what I'm going to do is, well, it's what you should do. Now that you know it runs, kind of proof <laughs> of concept, take it all apart and then do everything you kind of fucked up on before. Pardon my French. Ah. They actually do it proper. Like if I showed you the, the little pan I made to put the battery in and the electrics and stuff, it's pretty janky. So it's hmm. like I think I can do that a lot better. Um, so kind of go back, do things just more better. So that that's where, it, but it, that's gonna be a wintertime project. Hopefully, bagel knock on wood. The rain starts here before too long, and over right. the winter I'll just take it apart, do everything again, um, which I think is the right way to do it anyway. Right? You know, kind of. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know Everything's a work in absolutely everything. Even the nicest custom bike is a work in progress. Yeah. Um, you know, dear Tubbo, as well as I did at the one show, I was never that happy with Tubbo being a plain um, color, as nice as that pearl pink is. So I'm going for a really, really wild paint job on Turbo. So if we go back to the one show in 2022, that's that's going to look a very, very different bike, even though it looked finished to the majority of people at the show, and ostensibly it was, but it's going through its own metamorphosis. So, you know, these this is the nature of custom bikes. Jim, why do you have a panda mask on your ceiling? <laughs> i tell you what next next month mike and i and john might come and a few other people are going camping out in the mojave desert for about oh and you're going to take a panda mask come to the mojave desert with me and it will all make sense then that's all i can is, tell you is there is there going to be pandemonium it's a quite silly in the desert i will say that um so so um, that's this week. Um, Doug, did you get up to anything interesting this week? Uh, last Sunday, I went on a ride with uh, Jeremy and Adrian. Jeremy, why? Uh, Jeremy, why, Jeremy, why? Why? Yes. Uh, I was crushed when I found out that wasn't oh, his actual name. And uh, Sarah, too. Sarah was there, too. Uh, Sarah. P was there and uh we got into some some good dirt and some good twisties. We were all on supermoto. No, no, Jeremy wasn't there. No, it was me and Adrian, Adrian and, and Sarah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh so well, the third time in a row I've been to Buzz's stall. Right. Uh in the middle of a dirt trail while it's you know 85 degrees out and fully leathered up. And trying to kick it, trying to kick it, mm -hmm. trying to kick it. Oh. And you just got to wait like 10 minutes. And, and then, then it starts again or bump start it. 
but it was it was a ton of fun. Uh, we did uh, what well, we did. Um, oh, geez, Rick. Uh, I don't know, a bunch of mountain roads. We did Summit, and uh, I wanted to do Mount Charlie, but that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, Highland to uh, Nicene Marks and Buzzard. Oh, that's a nice neck of the woods. And, oh, yeah. you know, you are so deep into motard country now, aren't you? I mean, pretty much that's where you like to be. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, my, my road right now is East Zayani, and it doesn't get any better than that for motard. And they right. recently repaved it all the way up to, to 35. So Oh, nice. It was it was more fun when it was gravelly and potholy hmm. for me, but you can trust the grip now. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. And what tires are you running on your on your six fifties? Do you run primarily bridge, straight? No, I have Bridgestones one fifty seventy seventies. I think right. seventy. Yeah, because I got chain slaps. Yeah, James and I were talking about that today. I got chain slap, but whatever, that's relevant. Uh, yeah, I, I run Bridgestones, and uh, these are the tires that came on the Warp Nines that I bought from on eBay. They were all mounted, balanced, everything. Okay. And I loved them so much because they're they're the sidewall is is thin and they're easy to mount and they're malleable, right? And so I'm on my third or fourth set right now. And, and this is is this a street tire or a sixty forty or an eighty twenty? No, this is full street. Full street. Full street. Um, it's, it's it's a battle axe. Uh, I can't. Oh yeah, battle axe is a great tire. Oh yeah, I love it. I know when it's gonna I know what's gonna slip and I know when it's gonna stick and. Um, um, and they're 110 bucks a piece. Yeah, they are. They are somewhat of the bargains of the tire world. And I mean, what what a lot of people don't realize is Bridgestone actually pioneered the dual compound technology. Yep. Now, the rubber compound in the center is a lot firmer than the rubber compound on the side. So when you crank it over, you're in really, really soft rubber. I mean, you can literally stick your fingernail in this yeah. stuff. And it, I, I, I've mounted it, tires at, at Knox House. Oh, so you actually had to put I up mounted, with Knox House. Um, oh, dear. Bad luck. 17s hold. at Knox House with the spoons. And yep. I did a Dunlop. I think he rides a Dunlop. And uh, I, I helped him with that, and it was so much harder than shown. You can probably just push it on my hand. Oh, yeah. And Michelin's are easiest. Yeah. Michelin's are wonderful. Such a thin sidewall tire. Um, yeah, nice. Speaking of tires, let me, um, let me ask ahead. you something. Does anybody know who invented the pneumatic tire? Uh, Dunlop, wasn't it? No. No? BFG. BFG? BF Goodrich invented oh. the pneumatic tire. They were the first air-filled tire. Wow. What was it for? Your mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, she was hanging out. Nice. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Very nice. I don't know. What it was. It's probably for a car. So I've been, uh, earlier this year, I put, um, speaking of tires, I put Des, uh, Tusk D Sports on my uh, KLR because I was out riding in the, um, in the, uh, in the Nevada, in the Utah desert. So, but since I got back, I've been riding a little more on street, and that front tire, man, it started howling so so bad and cupping. So 
I uh, ended up having this week to go in and put a Kenda big block on the front of the KLR just because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And it was, it was starting to get really squirrely, but um, yeah, I'm just, you know, it's funny to try to find the right tire for a dual sport. That's going to meet, you know, the type of riding that you're mostly doing. But I'll say if anybody's thinking about buying the Tusk and you're not riding any, any more street than 10%, if you're riding more street than 10%, you should kind of go the other direction because those, those things just aren't, aren't made on the, for the street. Right. Just an FYI. And okay. shout, out, shout out to Santa Clara Cycle Accessories, Santa Clara, because they, uh, I was able to run it in right away and they basically had it done in an hour and I walked out with it. It was pretty awesome. So I appreciate, they I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Nice. Tires for cheap, mounted, yeah. they're great. Can't beat them. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live right by there and took tires for them a number of times. Yep. Yeah. Dog Company. Yeah, they're great. They're, yep. Shout out to Santa Clara Cycle. Um, I think it's my turn. What did I do this week? For the first time in three months, there are no Vincents in Motortown. What? Wow. They've all gone home. All right. All gone home. You don't have to uh, have them under your stewardship any longer? Right. Um, so, yeah, the um, the... Black Shadow went up to Napa, gosh, two weeks ago, and I had to make. I had to actually go up and make a couple of adjustments to it. And it's, a, I mean, it's a two and a half hour drive, but when you're dealing with the kind of figures that people pay to get these bikes worked on, you really have to drop everything and go up there and do what needs to be done and make sure that they're happy so now he's happy it was very minor carburetor adjustment i had to do and then um i had a little 500 comet which is the most charming little bike and i finished that off had to get tires for it well a vincent has an odd sized front tire it is mm. a 20 inch and mm. um, there's only two manufacturers who do 20 inch tires um avon is one of them and then uh coca is the other one and i like uh, avon tires avon, like avon tires. Right. Oh, yeah they make a great tire i've had a uh, few sets of theirs unfortunately i could not get any avon 20s although they're in stock now all mm. avons get imported from england like me darling um yes. however there were no avons when i needed the tire so i had to buy a coca mm. And I'll tell you what, the Coca is not a bad tire. Um, it's not a name I was familiar with, but a couple of my friends who are into classic cars, Coca do all these really fat white walls and all these retro style tires for hot rods and, yeah. you know, like the balloon fire stones that you see on a lot of the cafe builds. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad quality tire and it rode well, rode very smoothly. So, so far, so good. Anyway, the Comet ended up with new tires. I gave it a full service. I did a fork rebuild on it. Um, didn't charge him a fortune. He's as happy as Larry. He's thumping his way around Arroyo Grande on it now. Nice. And then I've got um, an Aerial Square 4 arriving next week, which Ooh. I'm Oh, wow. Lovely. Yeah, aerial's great, all things. It's as much fun as you can have with 27 horsepower. 
thousand <laughs> cc bike with 27 horsepower wow. Wow. what year are they made well does it run on grasshoppers or what yeah no they followed an interesting history i mean the prototype aerial square four was like 1930 um but it was an overhead cam 600 oh, and wow. then somehow the overhead cam 600 square four became a pusher of thousand cc and they kind of soldiered on until the mid to late 50s um and then that was it you know <laughs> so um probably 25 30 year production production run that's a good run yeah, yeah. it's a good yeah. run um and they are again they're quite charming bikes but you've got you've really got two 500 cc twin engines one in front of the other and they're geared together so the front one's running forwards and the back one's run no wait a minute the front one's running backwards and the back one's running forwards and driving the transmission <laughs> from the back crankshaft it's very odd and they're making an appalling racket engine <laughs> sounds like it's going to blow up at any second wow but they're very very smooth and they're very nice to ride um are there cooling issues in the rear cylinders? Yeah, I mean, they um, the early ones had a single exhaust pipe, which was kind of incorporated in the cylinder head, and they got a bit warm. And then they went to this four-pipe arrangement where on either side of the bike, you had two exhaust pipes, one in front of the other. And not only looked good, it kind of cured the cooling issues a little bit. But, you know, on a super hot day, you're always going to have heat coming off the back cylinder. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's such a low stressed engine and you can do it you can actually do a lot to them to, to help them along a bit but it's a very different riding experience all these old bikes are you know um it's funny you 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 get on something modern you know i've got um i've got an, a cbr thousand race bike on the ramp right now which is like 170 horsepower and god knows what and this and that and you take that for a spin around the block and then you get on one of these 1940s or 50s bikes and it's like, oh, my God, you realize how far we've come in really a generation, two generations. It's amazing. So there you go. Um, and that was my week, aside from selling a bike. Oh, I sold two bikes. I sold two bikes. Oh, yeah. bikes. But I mean, there's the other one. I sold that darling little burnt orange Rebel 250 to Melissa or Missy. And um, I had a very, very nice 2015 Harley Davidson. And you're going to ask me what model it is. And I have no idea whatsoever. But it had <laughs> bags on it. It was a bagger. It was a bagger. <laughs> and, um, I sold that. So um, good day at Motortown. So things are clicking along. You know? Um, nice. I'm not really, I'm not really a bike seller. I'm not really a bike seller. It's not my business. If I sell a bike, it's because I think that bike's special, but it's not business. My business is fixing them. I like fixing them. But occasionally, if a nice bike shows up and it just needs a little bit of help lifting and say, oh, I'll buy that and I'll buy it. And then, you know, just tinker, 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 tinker and get it as high as I can and then sell it on, you see. But that's not that's not my business, as it were. So um, yeah. let's talk about what we did today at the garage. 
You, Doug, is Doug still here or has he left? Looks like he stepped away for a moment. Okay, well, we won't talk to Doug. We'll talk to Doug in a minute. But it was it was quite a busy day. I mean, as we know, Liza, fearless leader, is still away in Pakistan with her happy band of Chikistaners. Uh, looks like she's having a fantastic time. You know, yeah, Melissa, know. you'd like to make a trip like that in the future. I would, actually. I'm very interested in doing something like that in the future. Well, there you go. So, you know what, Chikistan 2022, I'm calling you on it. Anyway, um, Liza's still away, so you've got to put up with me being host for one more week after this, and then we're going to be back to the status quo. Um, and I was running the garage, so rumors of the recycle or garage being Emma's reign of terror are largely exaggerated. However, partially uh, true. Yes, I know. It was awful. <laughs> Yeah, we did the clutch on that uh, rebel today. That was good we work. Did indeed. So we have a regular show up, and I forget her name because I am terrible with names. Her name is Ellie. Ellie! That's right. And Ellie is a botanist, and she likes messing about with plants. We had a lovely talk about Venus flytraps <laughs> nice. and soil and all good things like that. So anyway, Ellie is a botanist and rides the second cleanest rebel in the known universe. Melissa owning the, the cleanest rebel in the universe, of course. Um, and it, it appeared on the back of a truck, which is always a bad start. <laughs> we took it to the, uh, down to the curb where it's easy to unload. And I, and I didn't realize she was in the truck at first. I think it was her dad driving her down and, and I saw her pop out. And I said, oh, I didn't know you were in there. And I was kind of waited a second. I said, your bike's in the truck, I noticed. And she was like, yeah, the clutch had given out on her. So, you know, hey, I, I think most of us have been there. So I think it gave out not too far from home, fairly close to home. For her, and Dad was able to pick her up. But, dude, how nice for her to come down to the garage. She got quite a lesson today. Right. And, you know, what's my mantra? You've heard it many times. You're going to push it in. You're riding it home. And I said to her, you're going to ride this home. And she looked skeptical, but that's fine. <laughs> Misfits top tips in there. For example, you know, when you went to tighten and, and loosen that big nut holding the clutch basket in. Oh, yes, the penny. Well, we'll come to that. But, um, yeah, you know, I've lost count of the amount of times that bikes have showed up in the back of dad's pickup truck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I think Dad was full of confidence because he left straight away. <laughs> nice. So anyway, um, Ellie was smart enough to have bought a clutch for her bike. And I wanted to make sure that the diagnosis was correct. So I said, oh, let me just take it for a quick spin so I can do a diagnostic on it. And I didn't even get it out of first gear. And I'm like, yeah, the clutch is done. Yeah, I followed you out of the driveway and you did an immediate U-turn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is like, this isn't a clutch anymore. It's like a torque converter on a car. <laughs> you know, basket comes one piece, huh? Well, what Ellie's done, rightly or wrongly, and I, I'm not going to jump in with any um, uh, opinion on this. She bought a, a, a pattern clutch, a knockoff, and... 
a lot of the Chinese come as a, as an assembled pack, mm. and you literally just pull out the old and put in the new. And that's the direction she'd gone in. And in this case, it wasn't bad. I mean, everything's assembled, everything's lined up, everything's pre-oiled. It literally is. You pull it out and put it in. The only thing is the gasket hadn't arrived. So we all said a little prayer when I got the casing off. And in fact, I made her, I made her suffer by taking her own clutch um, screws out, the screws that held on the casing. And then I got a dead blow hammer and I said, right, whack it. And we'll see if we can get it off without mangling the gasket. And she was tapping on this thing. And I said, no, you got to whack it. And she refused to whack it hard. So I grabbed the dead blow and gave it an almighty whack. And then it just went thump and came away. And blessings, the gasket was in one piece. It wasn't ideal. A new gasket's always best. But it got us down the road. Um, and out came the old. In came the new. And... What you were very, very impressed with, Jim, was the locking device for the primary gears, weren't you? Yeah, that was neat how that all kind of went together. You know, well, another, that's, that's a specialist tool. Yeah, not everybody can afford that tool. And it costs a penny. Yeah, I was going to say it's a pain in the ass. A pretty penny. Yes, a pretty penny. So... We, um, well, while the case was cycling itself, we kind of had a little tutorial in the oil channels. Right, the little passageways and how that motor works. Yeah, so there's a couple of things you need to be aware of if you're doing the clutch in a Rebel. Um, the first is why they go. And Honda put this thing called an anti-judder spring in. And an anti-judder spring doesn't look like a conventional spring. It's like a big round flat piece of metal that's actually punched into almost um, a conical shape and what its job is to make the clutch a little bit easier to operate they always say it's impossible to stall the rebel with the clutch because there's just this little bit of slip before you let it out and that's the anti-judder spring it stops the clutch being too fierce hmm. the disadvantage is your entire clutch is being suspended by this conical spring. And when they go, they go very, very quickly. And that's what had happened. Um, what's that, Jim? It's interesting. I'm coming through the service manual for my CRF450. It also has a dead spring. And I'm like, that's for a different reason. That and that's the other application. So there are two applications for an anti-judder spring. The first application is for a bike where people are learning learning how to operate the clutch. The second application is in a very, very high torque engine that lays down a lot of power at low RPM, like your 450. And without that anti-judder spring. It would be so fierce that when you drop the clutch, you'd either just dig a hole for yourself in the dirt, or if you had traction, you just loop the bike. So they use it to take the fierceness out of the clutch. That's what an anti-judder springs for. 
Okay. Yeah, because I remember I had it on the CRF250L, and I smoked that clutch, and we ended up pulling it out, just pulling that little thing out of there. Yeah, mate, once, on a smaller bike, once you get used to how the clutch operates, there's really no need to have it in. And, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the Rebel was, in fact, it, was a, it felt a little livelier without it in. Because, well, of course, the clutch straight away. Oh, she was all smiles when she came back because she did it herself. Um, but we lost our train of thought. So why it was done. Oh, and the second thing, Honda distribute their oil in a very, very specific way. When you take the clutch casing off a Honda, and they're mostly all the same, all the twin cylinder ones. There's an oil screen at the bottom, at the very, very bottom of the engine. The oil is sucked in through the oil screen and goes into the oil pump, which sits also at the bottom of the engine. Then it gets pumped into this gallery, and the gallery extends into the clutch casing you've just taken off, and it goes into a channel and then through a passage, which basically aims at the end of the crankshaft. And the crankshaft is what needs the oil to lubricate the bearings in the crank. And what they do is they put this little thingamajig, and it looks like a top hat, which is sprung-loaded. And it forms a seal against the casing. And when you put the casing on, it forms a seal so that the oil can go from the oil pump through the passageway through the sprung-loaded top hat into the crank. And if it falls out or you forget it, your oil pump's going gangbusters, but your engine's receiving no lubrication. And you'll probably, you might not seize the crank, but you'd certainly seize the camshaft. And it costs lots of money. So you don't want to forget that. And then the other thing we did, which was rather jolly, um, when you're tightening up, the, the the nut, which is a special nut. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to say. If you're doing a clutch on a Rebel, you need the special tool. And the special tool looks not dissimilar to um, the rook in a chess set, the castle. Um, it's a castellated nut. And you need it to undo that nut in the middle of the clutch. So they're only cheap. I mean, you can buy a tool for five bucks and even if it works once it works plenty i've got them in all different sizes so um ellie was smart enough she had the clutch pack she had the tools she would have had the gasket but um that didn't arrive in time but um the crankshaft and clutch basket locking tool that costs a penny so that's right that was beautiful yeah, I know you like that, Jim. So when you're tightening up the nut in the center of the crank, it's difficult to stop the engine from turning. So an old mechanics trick is you take a penny, and you have to use a penny because it's very, very soft copper, and you drop it into the gears where the crankshaft and the clutch basket mesh. And then you just turn it over gradually until the penny gets locked in the te teeth. And then you tighten the center nut to the torque specification. 
You have to use a penny because the copper is soft and it won't damage the teeth and it holds everything in, in situ till you tighten it up. When you've tightened it up, just back it off that tiny amount, grab your penny. And this time the penny was on mark. Sometimes they come out looking like a crinkle cut French fry, but you take the penny out, that's it, you're done. Put the depends casing on, back on. Depends on what type of year penny you use because they're not, yeah. and they're, that's they're how hardly any copper anymore. Yeah, that's how much oh, a zinc. clutch locking tool costs for a Honda, one penny. Well, zinc is pretty soft too, right? Zinc is soft, but I like the copper. You know, you're so, yeah, so sweet. Yeah, so if you want to use a copper one, get a penny that's 1981 or older. Yes. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to use an older penny. We had yeah. that back then to the Nighthawk. They still make those in Japan, right? What? They still make those bikes in Japan, right? The Rebels. Yeah, the Rebels? Yeah. Yes. Why Why have they continued that in the Nighthawks? Why do they keep making them in Japan? Because I know that's where they make their high-quality stuff. Jim, you would suck as a fans-only person <laughs> no i think i think jim i think jim's having connection problems <laughs> jim are you on a wi-fi connection i don't think so oh no you've come back darling why well, no i was just curious why they still make those in japan and why they continue i got nothing yeah your audio it's not good. It kind of starts off and promises everything. And it's kind <laughs> of like the first two words are brilliant. Then it just. <laughs> oh, well, we've lost Jim. Let's see, we lost Jim. But All right. well, I move into the house. I'm hoping he's on a Wi-Fi connection and he moves into the house. So we'll get him. Um, but what I can say, Emma, is that Ellie was exactly what. I, you know, I love about the garage. You know, yes. she came. She came a while ago. Met Doug, uh, then she came back when you guys, I think, were at the uh, grand opening. And then I helped her adjust her her handlebars. And she yes. came back the next week or a week or two later, and I helped her change her oil. Um, and then and then she came back, and then you taught her how to do a clutch. Right. So, yeah. What a great. And what a next great week. Impression. Next week we're going to do the valves. There you go. <laughs> exactly. It's all part and parcel of the experience because. Laying hands on your bike, if you are able, and I always put that caveat in because it's not for everyone. If somebody is listening to us or indeed if somebody comes down to the garage and is simply not comfortable working on their own bike, that's fine. There's a place for everyone. This giant soap opera right, right. that's motorcycling, there's a place for everyone. But Ellie wanted to get her hands dirty. She wanted to do this herself. And so I talked her through it, A, B, C, D, E. The final thing. So we did the clutch. We put all the things back in. The final thing, and this is the most important part of the job, was to change the oil, even though the oil was a week old. Why? Because there's pieces in there probably. The Debris. Exactly. Clutch friction disc material is exactly what it says. It is friction disc. And all that friction material gets shaved off the clutch plates when they yeah. fail and go yeah. into the oil. 
And if you smell the oil, it's got that burnt smell. It smells sure. like burnt sure. pudding. Mm. And burnt popcorn. it's very, yeah. very yeah. abrasive. If you were to put some of that oil in between your fingers and rub it together, you can feel the abrasion. So you've got to get it out of the bike as soon as possible. Yeah. You get the bike as hot as you can. You get the oil out of it. You get as much out of it as you can. You put oil in and you flush it again if necessary because that yeah. stuff will destroy your engine very, very quickly. It's for the same, for exactly the same reason. Whenever I do a restoration on an English bike, Powder coating and, and enameling is a wonderful thing. And sandblasting and media blasting is an integral part of that. If you have a frame of an English bike or a swing arm and you have it media blasted and then powder coated, it looks like brand new. But English bikes have an oil bag on the side of the bike. It's an oil tank. And no matter how rusty and crusty that is, I will always finish it by hand because as much as you can keep the sand or the abrasive media out of the holes, when you have them sandblasted, some of it will get in. And is that this will before destroy or after you pee in it? After you what? After, is this before or after you pee in it? Uh, I pee in everything as soon as it arrives. <laughs> because that's acidic. That etches the inside of the tank. Um, but you should never, ever, ever sandblast an oil reservoir. No matter how well you tape it off, no matter how well you plug those holes, I guarantee you some of that abrasive media will get inside your tank. You know, you could ruin an engine. Sure, sure. That makes total sense. So um, same kind of thing with with clutch friction material in the oil. You can't be too careful. Oil's cheap. You know, oil's three or four bucks a quart. And a bike like the Nighthawk takes a quart and a half. So you're talking six bucks worth of oil to right. save an engine. Right. Yeah, so that was it. it. We did the oil, changed it. Woof, down the road she went. Very happy nice. too. Oh, yeah. Um, Ellie went but, out for a little test ride and came back and was like, it's a completely different bike with a new clutch. <laughs> yeah, like I say, without that anti jutter spring, it hooked up a little quicker too, which yeah. is wonderful. So, mm -hmm. no, that's great. Um, what was that you were getting hot and heavily involved with, Doug? Because somebody showed up with this cute little... Um, oh, it was a Yamaha, like 50-something. Like, I don't know. Oh, what that, right? What was that? It was the Yamaha thing. It was, it was a little two-stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little, yeah. no, it wasn't a little Yamaha Chappie? Yeah. Something. Yeah, I think it might have been a Chappie. I'm not sure what it was. No spark. Well, weak and intermittent spark. It yes. did have sparks. But weak yes. and intermittent. Feeble, feeble, uh, yeah, feeble, feeble. It was um, the spark was manufactured <laughs> by the feebler elves. <laughs> so, you, so you have a photo of five of us all <laughs> trying to see the spark. Yes, uh, there is an echo. Uh, so if everybody would either put headphones on 
Turn down your speakers as much as you yeah, can. Yeah, there is an echo. And uh, uh, got, and and mute yourself done. if you're not talking. Uh, but that that little um, Swifty machine uh, looks incredibly fun. The tires are fucked. It's got a new stator, a new CDI. It's got a new battery. It's six volt. Uh, and Evan bought that thing not running. I don't know how much they paid for it. Um, and trying trying to get it running, I could I could smell gas coming out of the out of the the, the, the cylinder. So I know it's gotten gas. But uh, we we traced it back to one of the pickups. It was there. There's two coils in the stator. One of them does one thing, and one of them does the other. I don't yeah, I don't know which one it was. One does lighting and one does ignition, and I think the right. It's the ignition one. Yeah, it had, it had smaller winds. The winds were tiny, or the mm. the wire was tiny. The other coil had a larger gauge wire, uh, and they tested the the uh, resistance in that coil, and it was it was too much. Right. Hmm. So, I don't know if that means taking coils away or adding more coils. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, he'll my... figure it out. He likes yeah. it. He likes all that elastic trickery stuff. It's... Um, I've just noticed. I'd like to welcome two more people into our podcast. We have, um, looks like Jeffrey Clark and Jay Barslow. Welcome, guys. Are you scooter people? Good yeah. indeed. Oh, so, oh, God, yes. Jeffrey, you could only be Bagel's friend. I mean, good. <laughs> and um, yes. Jay Barthlow, what's your first name, darling? Joe. Joe. So, Joe yes. and Jeffrey, welcome. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Um, yes. And, and, uh, we'll, Joe, and we'll be, Joe and Jeff are – oh, sorry. Was that Emma? And I was going to say we'll be – I know they're scooter people because I already asked them, darling. Um, <laughs> yes. So we'll be getting to your run um, as soon as I'm finished torturing Doug. So fantastic. <laughs> so um, we didn't actually get it running, did we, Doug? No, we didn't. You were you were busy helping uh, Ellie, uh, and I was trying to poke and prod and, and diddle the, uh, the little Yamaha. So... You know, ultimately, you got to replace the part. It's probably right. a fifteen dollar part for the coil. Pop it in there. It, it, it is new, right? Uh, and go from there. Yeah, yeah. And then work your way back up. So we traced it down to the stator, and if if, if replacing that coil doesn't solve the problem, then you got to work your way back up and see where it right. sprawls out to, and and test and go from there. So that that's that's where they're at now. Okay. Yeah, it, well, there good could be show. there could be multiple issues too. There could be multiple issues. Could be yeah. not enough gas or a, a clogged jet or you know who knows. Yeah. But the, the spark the spark did not look good. Yeah, yeah. it was a brand new spark plug. And first uh, and foremost, you got to get yourself a big flat spark. Yeah. So um, that was our day today. You know, it's it still feels like a captainless ship without Liza. I mean, God. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not the same without her, is it? But we'll we'll soldier on. We'll soldier on. Um, but I think Bagel, 
Yes. It's as good. Oh dear God, Jeffrey's gone upside down. Um, <laughs> um, it's as good a time as any to talk about the run you went on, and I'm guessing um, that Joe and Jeffrey are going to assist you yes. in uh, filling us <laughs> all in about hijinks with scooters. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, Joe and Jeff are uh, in the uh, Top Dead Center Scooter Club here in Eugene. Uh, Joe is also the president of the Lambretta Club USA as well. And uh, these guys helped put on a fantastic rally this weekend over to the Oregon coast. Cool. And so I wanted to invite them on to uh, kind of talk about what we did this weekend to to give give the rest of the world a, a little insight into what... We need a uh, report. Yes, so, our um, rally uh, no, report. Uh, no, before we get into that, I am very, very eager to talk to Joe about why a Lambretta is superior to a Vespa in every way. <laughs> Most notably because it carries all, right. all its weight dead center, doesn't it? It's a far superior design. Well, number one is engineering. Um, I <clears throat> Right now, I've, I've, to, I've repeated this quite a bit, but right now is the best time since probably Innocente folded in 71 to own a Lambretta. Uh, the aftermarket right now is so strong for Lambrettas. Uh, we we're at a point where, where we have, you know, uh, British and Italian uh, companies competing against each other uh, in parts and tuning kits. Um, the list is just growing daily. And, um, uh, it, we're really lucky. I think there, I think it's to the point where you could probably build about 90% of a Lambretta uh, with the available aftermarket parts right now. And, That's amazing. Um, what about wow. the Indian ones? Are they any good? Oh, sure. Um, you know, they, they built a lot of those GP copies or those GP style uh, Lambrettas, you know, up until, oh, I'd say late 90s. In, they're kind of a gray market bike into Canada and several leaked into the United States. And, uh, and those are proven to be decent quality machines as well. Great. Okay. Well, that's enough about that topic. You see, so <laughs> we, went off, we went off on our tangent about how great Lambrettas are. And I very much approve of Lambrettas. I think they're the absolute cat's pajamas. So um, the run, let's hear about this infamous run. Yeah. So this this was uh, called the Run from the Sun Rally. Uh, this is the twenty third uh, Run from the Sun that's that's happened, and uh, basically the ride is to uh, it's it's a, a ride from from the uh, from I guess the the Willamette Valley is where most of us are who ride all over all ride over the coast and go camping for a weekend out uh, in Newport, Oregon. So um, on Friday afternoon, we all uh, rode, rode meet up, met up together in uh, Althea, little town out very much in the middle of nowhere in, <laughs> in Oregon. And um, we were planning on gassing up there, <clears throat> but we arrived and uh, the gas pumps weren't working. Oh, so, wah, wah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we, we had to kind of uh, figure out what we were going to do because our only options were to ride to uh, Waldport, where we, where we did plan on gassing up uh, again before heading to, uh, to Newport, uh, which is about 40 miles away. Or we could go the opposite direction to Philomath, which is about 17 miles away. Um, and so we were trying to, <clears throat> trying to decide when uh, one of the guys who was riding with us, Chris, 
uh, flagged down uh, some guy he saw he saw it, he was filling up gas in his pickup truck with a gas can, and he said, "Hey guy, <laughs> I'll give you ten bucks a gallon, <laughs> however much you can spare." <laughs> no way. <laughs> yep. And the guy was like, "Well, I got about two gallons, so here you go." <laughs> and no way. And so, uh, yeah, so, so Joe and, um, and Jeff, I think you guys filled up your tanks with that. Uh, and, Chris. Uh, oh, Chris, Chris and Joe got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, um, uh, Andrew had his own, uh, spare tank that he had and he filled up, filled up with that. Um, I had enough, I knew I had enough gas to, to get to Walport, so I was fine. So we decided to just head on down the road, uh, at that point. And how, we, how, how many were on this run? How many were on this run? There were five of us uh, who started out from Eugene. Okay. But uh, I would say there were, Joe, how many people showed up at the rally altogether? It was at least uh, I think like there's 20. about 25 scooters and about 35 people. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. It's great. I mean, time. considering COVID times, you know, yeah. and we didn't promote, we kind of were under the radar this year in terms of promoting the rally just because, um, you know, spike virus spiking a little bit and we didn't want right. to have a big, a big show plus the rules for the campground you know typically where we where we camp out at south beach state park they have three group sites and only two were available to us because of state rules um and so we didn't really promote it too much but we typically get for this anywhere between you know 20 25 to 50 people so anyway so it was we felt pretty good about it it's a good amount it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a respectable pack yeah, yeah. No, that is respectable. And, you know, we don't sort of think about how things were in the old-fashioned days here. But certainly in the past, scooters were seen as a lot more unisex than motorcycles. So when you go on the larger run, in what sort of proportion is it girls to boys? Is it still predominantly guys is it predominantly girls is it a good mix of both i know covid's kind of thrown a wrench into everything hasn't it it has a little bit um you know i've i've been you know just been doing this a little longer than i have but you know for the last 15 years i would say you know, a number of female riders have kind of declined a little bit and um and that's been one of the one of the things i've been pushing in lambretta club is to to not or is to make it a little more diversified uh, in terms of guys and ladies and why and do you mix. think that, why do you think that is? I mean, do you think there's a single factor, or I mean, it's just something that's kind of happened? It's hard to say. Um, on our something run, that's, we had, something that's happened. Yeah, I think on our, our run, yeah. you know, we had like this weekend with you know 25 scooters. I think we probably had two or three. Uh, female riders out i think we would have had more uh, if if it wasn't for actually yeah yeah we about about three uh we would have had definitely had more if it would have uh would have been normal times i think okay yeah yeah so um let's talk about the 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 bikes a little if we may so i'm guessing joe you were on a lambretta of course um, yes i was on a 62 tv 175 but you said 62? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Just like the mods used to ride. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and a then, beautiful uh, bike, by the way. Oh, they are superb styling. Absolutely superb. Um, so how many Lambrettas, how many Vespers, how many other stuff? 
Well, you know, it's been kind of a trend over the last three, four years. We've been getting more Lambrettas coming out than Vespas. But uh, I think this time it was probably more Vespas than, than Lambrettas. Um, probably about a, I don't know, 60, 40 um, mix. Um, and then other stuff. Stella's. Well, I'm, I'm throwing I'm throwing bagels Stella yep. in there as a Vespa. I mean, it wouldn't exist without <laughs> Vespa. Uh, yeah. it, um, there was a ruckus yeah. there. One ruckus. I saw I saw ruckus. <laughs> and, um, other than that, you know, it was uh, it was you know our our TDC. We do a in the spring we do a regularity rally, and we usually get you know, like this past year we had fifty scooters out for that and. We typically run around 90, 95% um, vintage Vespa and Lambretta. Okay. Um, and uh, it was uh, really cool to see uh, Bagel out on his, on his ankle this past spring. Uh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that was a great ride. Are there any other vintage Heinkel riders in this particular club? Were you it, Bagel? Well, I'm technically not in in the club, but I, I don't think there's any other Heinkel uh, riders in the area. There there might be someone with the Heinkel in Portland, um, but I, I I don't even know for sure. Uh, there there are very few Heinkels around. So uh, and and the number of people said that they that was the first time they'd ever seen a Heinkel in person. So, and are you not in the club by choice, or do you not want to be well, in the club? Or I I just moved here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just hanging out. And years ago. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna rectify this for you right now, Bagel, because you know, I feel I feel there might be a little bit of friction going on here. So Jeffrey, um what I mean, what do we need to, to do to get Bagel in the club? Is there initiation? Does he have to like can sleep he be with jumped, there, there will be jumped in, right? In now. Oh my <laughs> do we have to rat do we have to rat tail him? Typically, it's blood in, blood out. So, yeah. No, I think go. I think we should actually think of a good initiation for Bagel to get him in the club right now. Oh my! Um, yeah. I so, think when we know uh, we, when we know the good scooter blood, you know, we're always welcome to you know have them join. Most of the time, we ask people to hang out for about a year, and then we ask them to join because you know once you know someone a little bit, it's like, but you know, you're great. Let's do this. Well, I've known Bagel for years. He's already passed muster with me yeah. and, and Emma. And and to be no, fair, we to, to, we'll vouch for him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, <laughs> to be fair, though, right much, to be fair though, I, I do know these guys longer than I know I've known anyone at the garage because yeah. uh, I I think Joe, I think we met in 2009 when you came down for Amer Vespa. Possibly, yeah. And I think we might have run into each other even before then. And Jeff, I think we met at Brides of March in 2003. Yes. <laughs> yep. Wow. <laughs> and, and Jeff oh, met a 7-Eleven clerk as well. But we won't talk oh. about that. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> 2004. <laughs> so um, um, we we talked about Joe and his, his Lambrettas. Um, Jeff, what, what do you ride, darling? Uh, well, I was out on my 64 Vespa GL. It's a little bit of a rat bike, but it goes fast as just about any Lambretta out there. So, Oh, I see. I see. Well, I will be the judge of that. Um, no, so it, you basically you're all riding vintage bikes. Correct. Yep. Wow. 
and the whole thing. Run from the Sun has been doing that. It, it was originally more of a one-day rally, and the spirit of it was that Eugene and Portland would ride halfway, and we would meet in uh, Dallas, Oregon, and then ride out to Pacific City. But with the development that's gone on there and the condos and everything. And right. Well, there was one year where, like, we had a sheriff's deputy just standing around the campfire with us. So that kind of. And the Rangers kept team. taking our kegs and. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, is it an exclusively Oregon event or are people from Northern California or Southern Washington encouraged to go as well? Yeah, we had people from uh, Seattle down to Riverside to Sacramento, Eureka. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Portland. All vintage bikes. So it's a three-day event. Um, did, did all the bikes hold together pretty well? Any ongoing maintenance? And there's no shame in that. I mean, I'm tooling around on English motorcycles that are as old. So anytime you're riding essentially a 60-year-old vehicle around, you're going to need to get the wrenches out. Yeah, your clutch discussion was kind of interesting earlier because um, I started having a noise about five miles from my house, and there was some clutch behavior before that. And I think Ooh. there's a clutch party going on that I need to go check out tomorrow. So. <laughs> clutch party. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't invited. Yeah, the little the little mice are running around rampant in there and just getting drunk. And no, you, yeah. probably, you probably have piss in your airbox. That's probably what's going on. <laughs> That's highly likely. There's no cowl on it, but there is a K&N filter. So, <laughs> and and you know some of the some of the people who are around, you know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. There could be a two foot long dildo in there. <laughs> so it's it's a three day event. So um, the five of you left. How long did it take you to get to the venue? Let's see what we. We left yeah. at like 2.15, and we pulled into the campsite at, what, 5.30? That sounds okay. about right. Yeah, about that. Yeah. Okay. And that was just a leisurely ride, you know, when we got. Uh-oh. We lost you there, Jeff. Uh-oh. I think oh, he passed out. Thumbs up. That was pretty cool. Oh, say that again, Jeff. We uh, lost you for a second. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, when we got to 101, I kind of wanted to just open it up a little bit and see air. And so there's a sport bike guy that pulled up next to me and I was doing about 70 downhill and got a couple of thumbs up with his big eyes going like that's a, move. So a lot of fun to really get out there in the good cold air and feel the jetting really kick in. Nice. Nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, we got to the campsite and we, uh, unloaded, uh, Met everybody else who had uh, already showed up, and then uh, headed out to dinner for uh, Friday night. We went to the uh, was it the South South Beach Fish Market, yeah, and uh, yeah had uh, had some of the local local uh, ocean fare there, and uh, headed back to the campsite and yeah, and it was it was just a great time to just get together with everybody and and especially for me like I there were a lot of people there who I hadn't seen in years. And uh, right. yeah, it was just a great time to catching up with everybody. Um, do you guys great. have any highlights from the the first night you wanted to share? <laughs> um, it was interesting. Uh, last four people standing Friday night, me, JJ, Sean, and Jeremy 
were the last four standing on Saturday night. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm that's how you do it. Kind of, I'm interested as to what kind of reception you guys get. I mean, I'm sure that people don't know you're coming, and then suddenly there's 30 scooters parked outside. Do you yeah, ever get people freak out? What are you guys in some kind of gang or something? That, that's probably <laughs> what we hear the most. Yeah, you, you're some kind of moped gang. Or they ask us if our is that a new bike? Where'd you get it? <laughs> yeah. Yo, did you call ahead to the Yahats Brewery or let them know no. you're coming? Or no, because I figured there's stuff across the street and we would just wing it. Well, we rolled up to that place and there's like an hour line waiting for tables and they saw us and they ushered us right in. Like we'll serve you drinks right here. So they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. We that's where we uh, ended up on Saturday for the ride and uh, drove down the coast to uh, to Yahats. That was uh, that was a nice time. Right. And uh, now I, I actually know that piece of coast quite well because I used to drive greyhounds up and down there, and it's absolutely gorgeous. That whole mm-hmm. stretch of coast, really, from Eureka all the way up to Portland and beyond, is just absolutely superb. The one, yeah, one. Um, yeah, it's just beautiful little seaside towns along the way, and you know, nice little restaurants and and uh, you know, places to, to check out. So a slower way of life we we got really lucky with weather too it was yeah sunshine and and mid, low to mid 60s during the daytime right. and it was very pleasant well you know um it's probably getting close um and we're so lucky here in california i mean we can really ride all year um but i know for those of you that live in in more northern or more eastern climates, um, you're probably getting towards the end of summertime, early autumn. You know, I've right. got a friend in Montana, and he's saying the sa- exactly the same thing, is that autumn's very much closing in. Yeah. You can feel it. You said it was a little bit chilly, didn't you, Bagel? Yeah, it got, uh, it got pretty chilly the first night we were there. And... Um, but uh, it was beautiful during the day, though. And, yeah, fall's uh, definitely on the way. Um, yeah. But it, it, Eugene's in the bottom of the Willamette Valley, and so it's it, the weather here is a little more moderate um, right. than, than the eastern part of the state. And uh, I know Jeff and I, you know, we've been able to ride all year round. Uh, we just pick and choose our days, but we always meet. Our club always meets every Wednesday, and, and uh, most everyone shows up. It's at least the one time uh, of the week, if possible, during the winter time that you can fire the bike up and get out there and keep them running. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the uh, the wet and cold, but if it's just <laughs> cold, I'll bundle up like the Michelin Man with a couple extra layers and at least get out for a short ride in the winter. You know, yeah, same here. I always say if you if you're looking for friends. Get a motorcycle because you'll never be short of friends. But if you want really close friends who'll kind of be there for you through thick and thin or stalk you or, you know, get a scooter because you guys are pretty hardcore, aren't you? You're a very, very close bunch of people. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, 
and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great community community to be to be a part of. Right. Yeah. So here's a misfits yeah. top tip: if you find yourself short of friends, buy a scooter, <laughs> especially a vintage one, and um, make new friends. Bagel. Yes. Where's the Baja Josh? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's in the it's in the back over here. Uh, that is one project that I would like to get moving on this winter. Yeah. I've I, I've I've committed myself to getting heat in my shop before mm-hmm. it gets cold, so that right. I can work work all through the winter. Because I have I have so many projects here that I want to get get going on. No, and... I don't know what you're talking about. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Ten. So that, 11. Yeah. So my my goal is to to get moving on a bunch of these this winter, including the Baja Judge. Well, Baja Josh, man, that, that's, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I seem to remember when we were in California, you, you had the worst ratio of anyone at Misfits. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty 13 much. bikes of which one was roadworthy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that number is improved now. Yes. So how many bikes do you own right now? I, I have 14 bikes and four of them are are uh, running in on the road. Wow. That's, that's actually not a bad ratio, Bagel. It's, it's getting better. And Wait, I'm, did I'm, you say I'm, it was 14 to 14 to what? 14 and 14 total. And four of them are on the road. So that's so, not bad. Yeah. You have a backup four, to a backup to a backup. Yeah. <laughs> four running to 10, non running. So actually, you know, that is a better ratio than me. Cause I'm down to three bikes of mm-hmm. which one is running that I love dearly, and that's Dear Rufus. Mm -hmm. One has blown up, and I'm waiting Mm. for parts, and that's the Trident. Oh, no. One is running, but is so terrifying, I'm frightened to ride it, and that's the Turbo. Ah, yes. (laughs) So um, I'll take it. Yeah, you're doing better than me, (laughs) Michael. Working on it. (laughs) Very good. So how many miles do you think you all did over the course of the weekend? 200 maybe okay i'd say um, 200 at least a little more now yeah because yeah. it was 50 miles on uh saturday just for that little yeah it's about nine about what about 88 90 each way yeah so, yeah, so yeah, about wasn't, 250 wasn't huge but it was good and good riding. Right. Yeah. so you crunched up your clutch jeffrey what about you joe was the was the lambretta pretty much trouble free you know um you know i'm like popular belief or or what what you read on the internet um i completed another you know round trip rally without removing a panel or touching my tool bag that's amazing nice (laughs) but knowing what a well-engineered scooter the lambretta was that actually doesn't surprise me um so congratulations so here's another top tip i love bretta because they're great <laughs> nice so um anything you'd like to add bagel good weekend um, good yeah company. yeah it was a fantastic weekend i had a wonderful time and many many thanks to to you guys joe and jeff and everybody from tdc from putting on the rally um this, this is actually my second time at uh, run from the sun the uh, the first time was in 2006, which uh, coincided with the start of the Cannonball Run that year, which was my first Cannonball Run, and uh, I had a wonderful time at that rally too. Had an absolute blast. Um, 
and uh, really glad that I was able to make it out again to uh, to uh, the rally this time because the last year's rally happened while I was in the process of moving up to uh, to Oregon, so I didn't wasn't able to make it because I was still down in Santa Cruz at that time. So, so now this is my go, first oh, first time I, at I the rally. What, what were you riding, darling? Oh, I was riding the Stella that's uh, right behind me here. The blue one. Yes. Fine choice. Yeah, it did very well. Um, I got you know got the main the important maintenance done on it before the weekend, and it ran flawlessly the whole time, and uh, yeah, did great. Perfect. So, um, it strikes me that everybody has had a pretty good weekend. Lucky well, us. I wanted to mention too. Uh, Ryan with the CBR six hundred texted me a few days ago. Oh yes, dear Ryan, and was like, well. The bike powers on. I put it in run and I hit the starter button and nothing happens. Can you come over and help me with this? And I was like, you know, electrical is not my forte, but excellent. Uh, sure, I'll come over. So before I hit the garage today, I was at Ryan's house. Now he lives and in San Jose, doesn't he? No, no, he lives in like just before Capitola. Oh, okay. Very good. And uh, so I went over there and the first thing I'm doing is checking the voltage on the battery. Nine and a half volts. That's not good. Oh, yeah. There you go. So get on the charger. And so when you turn the bike on, you hear a whiz for about two or three seconds. But if you hit the yeah, starter button, powering up. if you hit the starter button, you can hear the pitch change. So I'm like, okay, I know the starter button's working because it's drawing power and changing the pitch of the fuel pump so next thing i do is i go down the line and i'm like a uh, solenoid uh where's the solenoid it's right next to the battery so i go to the solenoid and i'm checking voltage and I'm, i got the ground on the battery and i've got the positive of, of the uh the um the voltage meter Yes. On one of those switches. And I'm like, I'm hit, hit the switch. So I'm like, I know there's voltage going to there. Why is this not going? And this was the clip on top of the uh, solenoid that goes into the solenoid. There's three contact points. Yes. And so I'm like, I know, I know the solenoid is getting voltage, but I'm not hearing a click. So I'm like, okay, well, what's going on now? I'm like, I, I want to I wanna see inside this clip. So I pull the clip off and this dust comes out. <laughs> it's completely corroded. The contacts are bad. Uh, so I'm like, all right, man, um, you got to go down to O'Reilly, get some electronic cleaner. You got to get a new battery and you need some dielectric grease. So go get these three things. Um, and in this conversation we're having, I'm, I'm wiggling around the, the contacts and at the same time, the battery's charging, and I go hit the starter button. It goes, wow, wow. I'm like, that. That's it. Right. It was the contacts to the solenoid right by the fuse. Wow. So easy fix. Uh, the bike was ready for a new battery anyway because it's probably a couple of years old. Uh, just need to clean those contacts out. Uh, put some dielectric grease and. Yeah. 
great. Cool. Well done. Well it, done. It was a diagnostic. it was a forty five minute ordeal, but figured it out, and that was the easiest possible fix. Yeah, so. because I mean, when you get into things not operating, there's all kinds of interlocks on that. There's clutch switch, there's side stand switch, there's a neutral switch, yep. there's yeah. the kill switch, ignition switch, all of which can have a bearing on starting yeah. of that bike. So well, it again, looks like you cut through and you did it, which well done. Thank well you. Done. You go well, down the line. Out of you yet. Nice. Um, do we have time for any emails? John? Uh, yes. Yeah, we got a we got yeah, we got cut time for a couple. Okay. Um, so um who's got a good one? So big, why don't you start? On? You got the one and, and Doug, All I'll right. send one over to you that Jim is gonna do. Okay. So I have uh, uh, so you want me to start, Joe? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Then, uh, so I have an email from our friend Leo uh, out in Boston, in uh, Bedford, Bedford, Massachusetts. Okay, so you got to do the accent, darling. Bedford. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Bedford, Mass. Uh, all right. Let me, let me see if I can do this here. Um, yeah, deep breaths, darling. <clears throat> So when I was a wee lad, my dear British mum told me that BSA stood for beastly saw ass. As, <laughs> an, as an impressionable youth, I loved that for obvious reasons. And at that very moment, I formed a bond with the brand that has lasted into my, <laughs> my now early 50s. I love old Triumphs, Nortons, Matchless, Ariels, etc. But I feel that the BSA twins of the 50s and 60s are somehow simultaneously more beautiful and also just so and special. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I see them as more of a raw working man's bike that is meant to be fixed often and ridden often. I also root for the underdog. That said, I've never owned an old Brit bike. 1970 Benelli 250 Sport Special, 1971 BMW R75.5, 1970s Hondas 80s bikes, 90s bikes, and a 2019 Triumph Speed Twin, but never an old Brit. I feel I must, lest the dreams of a lifetime go unfulfilled. The biomorphic engine of a BSA Golden Flash with the three leaning rifle emblem stamped into the right side case gives me a twinge of delight and giddy excitement to match anything else out there on two wheels or on two legs for that matter. Ah. But I'm not sure that I should jump in because I just can't stand another motosexual heartbreak. I am still recovering from an abusive relationship I had with a 1999 Buell M2 Cyclone. Oh, what a bastard. <laughs> I rescued it from poor customization attempts and neglect. I bought new pots, polished it, and poured my tender love and care into it. The Buell <laughs> repaid me with scorn and disappointment at every turn. Yes, well, they In do that, darling. It's a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> In 40 years of resurrecting old cars and motorcycles, I've never had a worse experience. <laughs> we parted ways that I last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think he's doing terribly well. Stop it, <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <laughs> we parted ways last year, and, and neither she... <laughs> and neither she nor I even looked back as, as her new owner drove away. Yet I was quite heartbroken. I know that 60 to 70 year old British bikes are not known to be reliable by modern standards and that I'll need to buy some groovy Whitworth tools. I know that oil leaks to be expected, but if I pay four to six K for a golden flash, that's actually running and has all its bits intact, 
can I expect that, that I might actually be out on the road with a British beauty at least as often as I'm repairing it? No. Miss Emma, <laughs> I'm counting on you to tell me that's the way it is. Yours faithfully, Lovelorn in Bedford, Mass., a.k.a. your number one fanboy, Leo. P.S. Number one, Liza can't answer this one because she'll crush my dreams. Number two, Naked Jim should put some bloody clothes on and wear proper shoes for once. Number three, when COVID is over, I'll gladly pay five pence to kiss bagel. Number four, <laughs> Stumpy John, keep up the great work, <laughs> keeping things running and being stumpy. Number five, <laughs> knock, get stuffed. And <laughs> PPS, if you do encourage or at least allow me to take the plunge with marital bliss with a dear old 650 British gal, is there a recommended source for decent wit with tools that aren't too pricey? Thank you. Holy shit, that was funny. That was awesome, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank I couldn't you. decide whether I was actually listening to <laughs> The Soprano or I tell you who you sounded like. You sounded like the mayor from George. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say the mayor from uh, from The Simpsons. Yes, no, the mayor oh. from George. Mayor Leo, Quimby. Uh, it's Quimby. <laughs> mayor Leo, Quimby. Leo <laughs> darling. Leo darling. <laughs> My fear with Leo is he's already found himself abiding looking for validation. Um you're not going to find yourself a gold flash 6K, darling. Um, you're going to find yourself a gold flash for 10 to 12 that you can actually ride. Um, I wouldn't start your BSA relationship on a gold flash. Because, and there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, a gold flash is an earlier bike. It's got a magneto. It's got a dynamo. Um it's quite a complex machine. If you want to start your relationship with BSA, I would start with the Thunderbolt. There are plenty of Thunderbolts out there for around the six to seven mark. They're very, very soft. They're very gentlemanly. They're a lovely, lovely bike. They've got just this crushingly handsome 1960s styling. They've got the little chrome gas tank. And the nice instruments and the ducktail seat, very, very good looking bikes. Start with a Thunderbolt rather than jump in with a flash. Um, I've had a couple of flashes and I love them, but there's a lot to um, there's a lot to go wrong with a flash. Um, you are very much in luck because you are in the right neck of the woods for parts and tools. And if you want to call up my friend Tom, who runs Coventry Spares in Cape Cod, he will sell you all the tools you want and all the parts you want to keep your vintage British bike on the road. And he's very reasonable. Um, he does a lot of Vincent stuff, but I know he does a lot of just vintage British bike stuff anyway. They're enthusiasts, and they'll, they'll navigate you through to where you need to be. So um, Tom at Coventry Spares. They're based in Cape Cod. That answers your tools and parts question. Um, but really, don't start with a flash. Don't start with a flash. Start with a Thunderbolt. 
and work your way up to a flash and see if you actually like them. You know, BSAs are a favorite of mine. Um, can anybody tell me what BSA stands for? And it doesn't stand for bloody it sore sucks arms. Ass. <laughs> British small arms. No, it oh, is Birmingham. not Birmingham. Birmingham small How arms. How dare you defile my hometown? Sorry, Birmingham small arms. Good. <laughs> Birmingham small arms. That is my hometown. And I will tell you something else. There's a lot of people who claim they're from Birmingham who were born in Good Hope Hospital in Sutton Coalfield. And they are not true Brummies because Sutton Coalfield back in the day was actually part of Warwickshire and was not incorporated into Birmingham until 1971. However, mm. I was actually born in Birmingham Children's Hospital, downtown Loveday Street, very, very close to the old Norton Works. I was born like three city blocks from the Norton Works on Bracebridge Street. So I am a true Brummie. Indeed. Birmingham born and bred. Birmingham <laughs> small arms, hence the three rifles in the logo. They're great. Um, I love British bikes. They occupy a very, very special place in my heart. And BSAs occupy a very very special reserve section of my heart they're wonderful buy one but don't Excellent. start with a flash leo i hope <laughs> i haven't crushed your dreams so i, I think we got a time for one more so douglas one hurry i'm gonna go uh this comes from very good insight emma thank you this comes from alex G ali g alex g uh <laughs> dear miss emma and the misfits hello I was quite disappointed last week when you had mentioned that there weren't any emails, especially in Liza's absence. So uh, I'm hoping this isn't you'd coming be too more terribly disappointment late. If there weren't any emails in Liza's absence. Absent. <laughs> but I wanted to send something along. I've been wanting to write regarding the quote unquote motorcycle community. If I take you back to 2007, I was a young and dumb adolescent on my first bike, a CBR 600F4i. Well, that's a good Great bike. bike. Great bike. The CDI sucks, but it's all right. Uh, big mistake, not only because it was way too much for my younger self, but the people I rode with were quite toxic. So I sold the bike and left motorcycling for about a decade. Fast forward to today, I had an awesome ride with a few elderly friends and the rest of their Harley group, me on my V-Strum 650. Sure, there are some who mock and like to poke fun at me since the V isn't anything close to the ultra classics I pull up with, but we all get out and enjoy riding together. Since my Harley riding friends are getting on a bit, it has been making me ponder the future of motorcycling. It seems like we may have some challenging years ahead, but as for me and my broad, we'll do our damnest to keep the tires turning. I've wanted to share this for a while. Thank you, Alex. But I've yeah, included. Not, well, 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 but I've included. That great, a, because I have said it before, and I will say it again. In this big soap opera that is motorcycling, there's room for everyone. And it doesn't matter who you ride with, even if they make gentle fun of you. As long as they got your back, they're good to ride with. 
So I'll just let you read the rest there. What's he say? You totally cut me off. Oh, wait. Forgive me, Doug. I thought you'd finished. No. Finish, finish it. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I don't even know where I left. Uh, I've wanted to share this for a while, but I've included yeah. a picture of my son the day I brought my or brought home my first motorcycle in 10 years, a brand new Grom. Oh, he sat nice. on it for two hours and I snapped one of my all time favorite pictures of him. The second picture is of my son and daughter the day I brought or bought my Beastrom and I had to pry them both off to get it home. So just wanted to drop a line. I hope all the misfits are doing well. And I know that I'm allowing my kids all the time. They want to search and grow their interest in two wheels. Oh, and bagel. Yes. I have my eyes on a new GTS super sport that I'm hoping to get in the next month or two. Oh, nice. Sincerely, <laughs> er, cool. sincerely, Alex. Okay. And I can show you all the pictures. There's the picture of the kid on the Grom. I don't know if you can oh. see that or not. Yeah. Oh, excellent. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And oh, there's the V-Strom. Nice. Two kids on a V-Strom. Nice. Excellent. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks. That's thanks, how Alex. I started. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry, Doug. Please forgive me for cutting, it's for okay. cutting you off. And, sorry, Alex. But yeah, what a great story. And I think, you know, the takeaway from that is he had quite a toxic experience 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. He came back. Wrong crowd. Wrong crowd. You know, yeah. wrong time. Um, and, you know, if you get in with a bunch of hooligans and you feel you're not going in the direction you want to go in, you know, right. just find some different folk to hang out with. Yeah. yeah. There's all you kinds know? of groups out there. Melissa might decide that we are far too toxic to be hanging out with. And she <laughs> Did you say fart? Cool kids too toxic? in Japan. <laughs> Melissa's farts are pretty toxic. I'm just gonna say. Oh no. Nice. Uh, hey, nice. <laughs> Your farts nice. are toxic um, and stuff. So, you don't want to um, talk about John's. <laughs> okay, well, we're not gonna get into any domestic disputes right now, guys. <laughs> um, you can save that for next week. Okay. So, um, do you think you might have a chance to have a have a little fun on the rebel this week, Melissa? And can you yes, report I back now? You can tell us how yes, you're getting that's on. That's my plan. There you go. Great. So we'll have nice. a we'll have a ride and report from next week. Um, we actually do have quite a good show next week. Um, I'm not going to say who's on, but it's somebody who we know and have been interviewed before, and is doing very, very big things right now. So it's going to be a really great okay. show. Okay, I know who that You've is. You've got your time, John. Are we done, my friend? I think we're done, man. I think it was an awesome, awesome podcast. So, and thank you to uh, to Joe and Jeffrey for, for joining us, and for Bagel for being here. Yes, a, Joe and man. Jeff, nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, thanks for coming yeah. on, guys. Melissa, I wanted to say, um, I know you've taken some professional instruction. Get some experience, take some more. Yes. And then get some more experience and then take some more. Yep. And I took professional instruction seven, eight, nine years into my motorcycling career. I'm still learning stuff. Yeah. So that's what's cool about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to all our lovely listeners who have 
wasted another 90 minutes of your life listening to us. Fuck you. We love you for that. <laughs> we love them. Don't say fuck you to our listeners because they're great. And our Patreon subscribers. Oh, of course. Our listeners are great. Yeah, the angels. No, our listeners are great. All else. Mm-hmm. No, thanks, everyone. Um, yeah, we wouldn't be here without the listeners. We, so. we wouldn't. Um, no, no. My greatest yeah. hope is people have as much fun listening to these things as we do making them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Zoom's a challenge. You really can't beat being in a studio with all the people. But, sure. you know, it's better than nothing. And I think it's just going to be our new reality for a little while. So um, yeah. thank you for putting up with the recording snafus and all that good stuff. But yeah. um, we'll be here next week. How about that? Yay. So um, I think that's it. So it's going to be good night from me. Miss Emma. Good night, darlings. <laughs> Good night. All right. Madam Bagel. See ya. Thanks, John. Bye. Yeah. Good night. And we're <laughs> out of here. We are out of here. Cool. Cool. cool.